say uh, just welcome to our visitors again that we have joining us. Uh, we're going to make sure to hang out and fellowship tonight. I know last time we rushed it a little bit. But we don't have school tomorrow, so praise God. Amen. So we're going <laughs> to, yes, we're going to be talking out of the book of John today. If we can all just turn there. And as we read this passage, we're going to be reading um, out of John 1. I want you to pay attention. We're going to be talking about John the Disciples, John the Baptist, and Jesus as the Lamb of God. And the reason why this is so significant, you know, talking about John the Disciple, was because as he wrote the gospel, as he wrote his testimony, his account of Jesus being, you know, coming and doing ministry with him, he says in John 20, 31, that I wrote this to make people believe. You know, he's not, Job, he's not beating around the bush. He's not saying, you know, I've come just to, so you could think that I have nice writing and you can take this gospel and take this writing as just some good literature so that you could say that Jesus was a good man with good teachings and that he had some faithful friends that walked with him and helped the poor. No, he says in John 20, 31, we can even turn there. says, but these are written that you may believe. Well, let's go up again. John 30, he says, Jesus did many miraculous signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not recorded in this book. But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, that by believing you might have life in his name. Amen? When I go out in the streets, I tell people, I'm not trying to make you believe. I'm not trying to. I'm just sharing I want you to know this is the truth, but I'm not trying to make you believe. Dude, John was like, I'm trying to make you believe. You need to believe this to be saved. You need to understand who Jesus Christ is to be saved. Amen? You know, he's not, he's not playing around at this time as he's writing the, um, the gospel, the account of Jesus. Um, there was many false teachings coming into the church. You know, there was the Gnostics who were coming, who were claiming that Jesus was not a man, but that he was, he was just a spirit. You know, they were claiming all these false teachings, but he's like, no, 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 no. I knew who Jesus was. I was faithful to him. We did ministry together. I saw what he did. This is who Jesus is. So that's why many times when people come to Christ, we tell you, read the Gospel of John. Because it's going to get straight into the point, and it's going to talk to you about who Jesus is. He's the Son of God. He is God. You know, we begin to read John 1.1, you know, which I wanted to preach on, but... I, I just couldn't, you know, the Lord just saying, preach this. Um, it's amazing. You read John 1, 1, he says, in the beginning was the Word, and the, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And you're like, that's deep, man. We got to stop and think about it. You know, when I talk to people, and this is talking about who Jesus is, Jesus, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. They are one. Amen. And this is beautiful. It makes us think, and I'm trying to slow it down today, because I really want us to get the message, and I really want you to understand what um, John is trying to say about who Jesus is, and he wants it to be clear, you know, that this is the man who has been prophesied about for many, many years, and today he is here with us. So let's start in John 1.19. It says, John the Baptist denies being the Christ. It says, now this was John's testimony when the Jews of Jerusalem sent priests and Levites to ask him who he was. He did not fail to confess, but confessed freely. Amen. Everybody say confess freely. Come on. He had no shame. 
He says, I am not the Christ. They asked him, then who are you? Are you Elijah? He said, I'm not. Are you the prophet? He answered, no. Finally, they said, who are you? Give us an answer to take back to those who sent us. What do you say about yourself? John replied in the words of Isaiah the prophet, I am the one, I am the voice of one calling in the desert. Make straight the way for the Lord. Now some Pharisees had been sent, questioned him. Why then do you baptize if you're not the Christ, nor Elijah, nor the prophet? He says, I baptize with water, John replied. But among you stands one you do not know. He is the one who comes after, who comes after me. The thongs of whose sandals I'm not worthy to untie. This all happened at Bethany on the other side of the Jordan where John was baptizing. And so as I read, read this passage and I take a look at John, and he's doing great things, right? He's doing for Jesus. He knows his calling. He knows this is what I'm called to do. I have to do these baptism ceremonial washings, you know, for the people who want to come closer to God. He says, I know my calling, and I know what I'm doing, but I know I'm not the one. I know that I am nothing. To untie the sandals of someone was one of the lowliest tasks you can do, and he says, I am not even worthy to do that because he is greater than I am. Amen? I believe that in this room, you know, we need to, to have that kind of humility when we're doing the work of God because it's a privilege for, for him to have known who he was, to know who, that he was preparing the way, that there was prophecies about him, even John the Baptist, that he would come and prepare the way, and he was humble enough to say, I'm not even worthy. Don't come to me. I'm not Elijah, the one you're waiting for. See, they were waiting for Elijah. They were waiting for the prophet. They were waiting for the Messiah, the Christ. He says, I'm none of those. I'm just one preaching the gospel. I'm just one preaching the repentance. I'm just one saying, here, wait. He's coming. You need to wait. I'm not him. Don't give me praise. Don't come asking me questions. Don't give me glory. I'm not the one. But when he comes, you will know. Then we go on to John John 1.29. So the next day, John saw Jesus coming toward him and said, look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This is the one I meant when I said, a man who comes after me has surpassed me because he was before me. I myself did not know him, but the reason I came baptizing with water was that he might be revealed to Israel. Then John gave this testimony. I saw the Spirit come down from heaven as a dove and remain on him. I would not have known him except the one who sent me to baptize with water told me. The man on whom you see the Spirit come down and remain is he who will baptize with the Holy Spirit. I have seen and I testify that this is the Son of God. You see, he has seen and he's testifying. He's making sure he's putting it in there. I've seen him and I testify this is the Son of God. See, I don't focus on Jesus being the Lamb of God. You know, we picture Jesus being strong and powerful, you know, and he came and he was victorious. But see, the Bible portrays him, first of all, like the Lamb of God. The Lamb of God. See, in order for sin to be atoned for, we all know and understand this, that there needed to be blood drawn. Needed, blood needed to be shed for us, for you and for I, for our sins, for the countless sins that we commit in the Old Testament, for the countless sins that they committed. There needed to be blood shed of an animal. And we all know that that didn't do anything to the heart of man. We all know that no matter how many times they sinned and they brought their offerings and their sacrifice unto God, their hearts were not changed. 
The Lamb of Man did absolutely nothing for them. The Lamb that that men were bringing unto God allowed them to continue in their sin and to continue in rebellion, to continue in their pride, thinking that they could continue in their ways as long as they paid their duties to God. The Lamb of Man can do nothing, absolutely nothing for us. Let's turn to Isaiah 1.1. Isaiah 1.1 says, Hear, O heavens, listen, O earth, for the Lord has spoken. I reared children and brought them up, but they have rebelled against me. Hold up. These are his children, right? It says, But they have rebelled against me. The ox knows his master, the donkey his owner's manger, but Israel does not know. My people do not understand. Ah, sinful nature, a people loaded with guilt, a brood of evildoers, children given to corruption. They have forsaken the Lord. They have spurned the Holy One of Israel and turned their backs on Him. These are His children who have turned. They've seen God move in their lives. They've been taken out of the promised land and have turned. They've seen from generation to generation God move in their life and through the lives of their forefathers, and they've turned to wickedness. It says, why should you be beaten anymore? See, see, the Israelites were suffering, and he's saying, why, why do you need to continue in your suffering? Why do you persist in rebellion? Your whole head is injured, your whole heart afflicted. From the sole of your foot to the top of your head, there is no soundness, only wounds and welts and open sores. Not cleanse or bandage or soothe with oil. He's saying, you're my children. You don't need to be dealing with this. You don't need to be hurt. You don't need to have these welts. Your country is desolate. Your cities burned with fire. Your fields are being stripped by foreigners right before you. Land waste as when overthrown by strangers. The daughter of Zion is left like a shelter in a vineyard, like a hut in a field of melons, like a city under siege, Unless the Lord Almighty had left us some survivors, we would have become like Saddam. I can't say that. Saddam. We would have been like Gomorrah. Listen to the law of our God, you people of Gomorrah. The multitude of your sacrifices, what are they to me, says the Lord. I have more than enough of burnt offerings, of rams and the fat of fattened animals. I have no pleasure in the blood of bulls and lambs and goats. When you come to appear before me, who has asked you of this, this trampling of my courts? Stop bringing meaningless offerings. Your incense is detestable to me. New moon, Sabbaths, and convocations, I cannot bear your evil assemblies. Your new moon festivals and your appointed feasts, my soul hates. They have become a burden to me. I am weary of bearing them. When you spread out your hands in prayer, I will hide my eyes from you. Even if you offer many prayers, I will not listen. Your hands are full of blood. Wash and make yourselves clean. Take your evil deeds out of my sight. Stop doing wrong. Learn to do right. Seek justice. Encourage the oppressed. Defend the cause of the fatherless. And plead the case of the widow. Come on, we're going to stop right there. Then it goes on to say, if you repent, if you do this, you're willing to be obedient, right? 
you'll be washed, you'll be cleansed. And we know that the children of of God did not do that right away. We know that they continued to bring meaningless offerings unto God, sacrifices that did nothing to their heart. They were ready and willing to bring things to God and say, you know what, I'm going to go praise another God. Right now, I'm praising you. I'm giving you my offerings right now and my sacrifices. But you know what? I can see that, God. I can see that statue right before me. So I'm going to take care of this right now, but I'm also going to cover my back in that area too. Because if this God can't help me, that God might help me. Do you understand? Let's turn to Isaiah 65, 1 through 5. Thank you, Shannon. I want us to get the point about the offerings, the sacrifices, that no matter how much we bring them to God, if our heart is not right, in the right place, they mean nothing. Sacrificing to God, they're pleasing when your heart is right there with it. Isaiah 65. He said, I revealed myself to those who did not ask for me. I was found by those who did not seek me. To a nation that, that did not call on my name, I said, here am I. Here am I. All day long I've held out my hands to an obstinate people who walk in the ways, in ways not good, pursuing their own imaginations. A people who continually provoke me to my very face, offering sacrifices in gardens and burning incense and altars of bricks. Come on, that's not where they're supposed to burn incense. Who, who are they giving sacrifices to here? It's not the living God. It's not the God of Israel. It says, who... Burning incense on altars of bricks, who sit among the graves and spend their nights keeping secret vigil, who eat the flesh of pigs and whose pots hold broth of unclean meat, who say, keep away, don't come near me, for I am too sacred for you. Such people are smoke in my nostril, a fire that keeps burning all day long, the wrath of God when we turn to other gods, when we turn to other things in this world. See, in our society today, we might not be, you know, holding little vigils in the backyard. Well, some people do, you know, when they're trying to marry or something. You know, but in our culture, you know, you know they want to believe in God and they want to believe in Jesus Christ, but then they also want to come and pray to Mary and then they want to pray to the saints. You know, they want to come to church and pray that God would provide for their finances. and it, They want to provide. But then they turn to lottery, they turn to gambling, you know. We put our trust in other gods, we begin to put our faith in other gods, just like the people of Israel. Do you think that they were turning to other gods just, just because? No, they were turning to other gods because they had needs. They were real people like you and I who had needs, who had problems, who had issues. They had children they needed to take care of, and they turned to other gods because they said, if my God, if this God here does not hear me, I'm going to make sure that I get the help that I need. I'm going to make sure that the God of my, the neighboring nations will hear me. I see them blessed. I see them having things over there. I want that too. So I'm going to sacrifice to them just as long as, as I'm going to sacrifice to the living God over here. Do you understand? That is you and I. That is how we act unto God sometimes. When we come to church and we ask and we put our, we say, Lord, I'm putting my faith in you. But then we go around and we put our faith in our neighbor. We put our faith in our pastors, you know. Like they become our gods. They become our idols. Let's turn to Jeremiah 7.21. This is what the Lord Almighty 
721. This is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel, says. Go ahead, add your burnt offerings to your other sacrifices and eat the meat yourselves. For when I brought your forefathers out of Egypt and spoke to them, I did not just give them commands about burnt offerings and sacrifices, but I gave them this command, obey me and I will be your God and you will be my people. Walk in all the ways I command you that it may go well with you. Amen. Yes, it was the law to offer the sacrifices. When you sin, when you fall, you come to me and you make it right. But you obey my commands. You do not continue like rebellious children going round in circles, forgetting who I am, forgetting what I've done in your life. Amen? So we needed a sacrifice. And who is that sacrifice? A one-time sacrifice that was going to do it once and for all so that we did not have to continue in the cycle any longer. Can you imagine if every time you and I sin, we have to go out and get a squirrel and get a dog and a cat for our sins? That's disgusting. Do you understand that we sin all the time? We sin all the time, constantly, continuously, over and over. We hate, you know, we love the things that we should not love. We do the things that we should not do. We need the sacrifice. We need this more than anything, and we forget about Jesus' sacrifice on that cross and what it really meant. Apart from him, we are sinners, we are dirty, we are rotten, and he has come to wash us clean with his blood. Let's turn to Isaiah 53, 1 through 7. The Lamb of God came once and for all, and he was prophesied about in Isaiah 53, 7. He said, let me start in 53, 4. It says, Surely he took up our infirmities and carried our sorrows. Yet we considered him stricken by God, smitten by him, and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions, and he was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was upon him, and by his wounds we are healed. That is a God who loves us. We all, like sheep, have gone astray. Each of us has turned to his own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and afflicted, yet he did not open his mouth, and he was like a lamb to the slaughter. And a sheep before his shears is silent, so he did not open his mouth. Amen. We could keep reading this whole passage, and it's all, this whole verse right here, 53, it's all about Jesus. This is what our God did for us. He says, the lamb of man is not good enough, but the lamb of God came to take the sin of the world. The lamb that you bring is only good enough for you. It's only good enough for the Israelites, but my lamb is good enough for the whole world. Let's go back to John 1. This lamb was not temporary. Come on. This lamb was to cover all of our sins. Let's talk about sin. We can think about the same sin all the time. How about homosexuality? Come on. Does our society deal with homosexuality? Do people in the church deal with homosexuality? Yes, we do. You know, I had someone tell me one time that our flesh is so sinful, it's so dirty, that we could be attracted to anybody if we wanted to. You can sit across from somebody, and if you really wanted to, you could be attracted to that person because your flesh, your sinful nature, that's what it does. You can make yourself like somebody. So if you think in this place, oh, homosexuality, that's not me. 
you know what, don't, don't even think, or, or my neighbor, nobody in this church is dealing with that. You have no idea what people deal with. You have no idea the lies of the devil that come into your head. This sin, I'm sorry, this sacrifice, the Lamb of God, was not temporary. It's for all time. So if you're dealing with homosexuality, if you're dealing with lies, if you're dealing with, with drugs, or if you're dealing with evil entertainment or love of money, come on. If you're dealing with laziness, he came for you, he came for you to repent of your sins and receive that sacrifice and apply it to your life. If you're dealing with depression and doubt and lack of faithfulness, if you're dealing with, with just a, you're comfortable in this life and you're just saying, I just can't wait to get it over. I just want to live a life, raise my children and just sit back and, re- and relax. That's not the life that God has for you. That is a sin for you to waste away the talents that God has in your life. Repent of your sins. Receive this. This is the Lamb of God who was coming. John the Baptist was so excited. He says, that is the Lamb of God who has come. He is perfect and he is without blemish, just like a lamb needed to be for a sacrifice. And here he is, and this is Jesus's, like you could say, his first day of ministry, and he's going to get baptized. And here's somebody saying, here comes the Lamb of God. It's like you coming up, and we're going to ordain you as pastor, and we're about to tell you you're going to die in three years. Just remember that. You know, Jesus knew that he came, but for it to be said out loud and say, the Lamb of God, the sacrifice, he says it out loud, here comes the Lamb of God. But see, Jesus already knew that. John the Baptist proclaimed it. Jesus already knew that. He knew that he was going to suffer for you and I. He knew that he was going to influence disciples. He was going to raise them up. He was going to pour his everything into these disciples to raise them up to be men who would go forth and preach the gospel. He knew that at one point they would desert him, the ones he loved, the ones that he talked to every day, the ones that he fellowshiped with would desert him. But he was the lamb of God even for them. This is our God. This is our Jesus. But still, he did not shrink back. He had the opportunity because he was human just like you and I, and he made the decision to lay his life down for us. Amen? But the Spirit was upon him. Come on, something happens when the Spirit comes upon you. There's boldness and there's power and there's authority and you're one with God. The Spirit was upon him and he was able to continue. He was able to go forth and do what he has been called to, what he was called to do. He was able to be faithful to God. Amen? God is good. He's good, and he is amazing, and he is the Lamb of God. Let's remember that he was our sacrifice. This almighty, powerful God came down from glory, took on flesh to be slain for us who were sinners, who are sinners even still to this day. Let us not take that for granted. Let us not forget people in this room. If you're living right for Jesus, do not forget the cross. When you're going through your mundane, you know, you have those days where it's just, oh, it's just one of those days, nothing really important happens. Remember what your God did for you. Remember the the pain and the agony that he endured on that cross, the humiliation. Come on, this is real. This is the word of God. Do we understand that? Let's not forget what it says. This is real. Jesus Christ was real. He walked this earth. He roamed this earth. He laid his life down for us. The word of God is real. Let it be real in your life today. And and on Monday and on Tuesday and Wednesday, remember this. He laid his life down. 
So today, if you're not living right and you feel Jesus tugging at your heart, I'm going to ask Josh to come up here because we're going to pray tonight. Josh, I want you on the guitar. Tugging at your heart and you're saying, my God did that for me. That was for me. He came and he took up my sins, my sorrows, the pain. He took up my depression, my sickness. He took up my cancer. He took up my my, uh, diabetes. Come on. He took up my AIDS. He took up my cold on that cross. I want more of him. I want to have a relationship with him. It's your heart. It's between you and the Lord tonight. We're going to ask you to pray, but we're not going to pray a sinner's prayer. It's going to be between you and the Lord. And if you're living right for God and and you need to be encouraged tonight, number one, to be like John the Baptist, come on, who was humble, who took his position and was humble to say, I'm nothing, I'm no one, I'm not even worthy to touch his feet. Remember that. That's what we're called to be like. Be like the disciple John who said this is to make him, to make people believe. This writing is to make people believe. Let everything that you do be to make others believe. Your actions, your words, everything you do is so that the world may see him inside of you. And most importantly, let us be like Jesus that although he knew the sufferings that he was to face, he knew the pain and the agony that was to come, he did not shrink back. Amen? Let's stand up to our feet. We're going to pray tonight. We're going to do some some battle tonight. Come on, we're going to wake up in this place. We're going to rejoice that the Lamb of God came, that He did not shrink back, that He did not decide that we were not good enough, that we were not we were not worth it, but that He went through, He went forth, and He was obedient unto death. Hallelujah, Jesus. If you're in this place and that's you and you're saying, my goodness, I I, I, I've wanted, I've been wanting to come to Jesus. But I just don't know how. Just talk to him right now. Just say, Lord, I need you. Holy Spirit, lead me and guide me. I want you more than religion. I want you more than, than anything that's in my life right now. I need you and I desire you. It's between you and God, the living God. And if you're in this place and and you're going through tough times in your walk, in your ministry, wherever you are, remember, pray for humility. Remember that, that you are a sinner that's saved by grace and that you deserve absolutely nothing. I deserve nothing. disbelief, your lack of faith. 
that crossed. He took up hatred. He took up jealousy. The love of this world. He, he took away the desire to, to uh, get involved in the occult, to, to get involved in witchcraft. He took that up. He said, although your heart went in that direction, I forgave you for that. Forgiveness in this place. Receive forgiveness in this room. We're going to do something different tonight. I'm going to have a Suellen come up to the front. We're going to pray. We're going to get in groups. We're going to have Suellen. We're going to have Berto up in the front and Ricky up in the front and Vanessa and these leaders up here are going to pray there's going to be groups of, of, of threes and fours guys with, with the guys and girls with the girls and they're going to pray for you and they're going to pray over your life, whether you're just on fire for Jesus today and you're just living the best life that you, you think you can live with Jesus and you're on cloud nine with him tonight. They're still going to pray with you tonight. If you're sick in your body, they'll lay hands on you and we're, we're going to believe that by his strife, by his wounds, that you are healed bind up things that are not of God. Come on. I want us the prayer warriors to come on. We're going to get bold in this place and you're going to rebuke and you're going to bind and you're going to let loose. So I want you guys all to come up to the front. I want you to get with one of these guys, the girls, and I'm going to ask David Carrasco to pray as well. 